Episode 4, where the industry thinks we'll be going on holiday next year. So what are the travel trends on the horizon for 2019? Here's what the experts think according to The Independent. According to Thomas Cook, Tunisia is trending for the summer of 2019. British visitors are slowly returning to Tunisia, where in 2015, 38 holidaymakers were gunned down in their resort town of Sousse. I was actually there on my honeymoon the year before and um, not far from the beach where the incident took place. So I can tell you that was a pretty scary experience from someone who had been there previously and who was not there at the time. So uh, package holidays from the UK to the Northern African nation began again at the start of 2018. So for the summer of 2019, Thomas Cook is offering 27 hotels across six resorts and 17 weekly flights from the UK, up from 11 in 2018. Thomas Cook says, driven by quality holidays at an affordable price, thanks to it being a non-Euro destination, as well as its soft white sands and rich Roman heritage. Appetite for Tunisia shows no sign of slowing down and Thomas Cook is predicting it as a hotspot for 2019, said the tour operator. They also said that Tunisia bookings for summer 2019 are currently up fivefold, indicating that sunshine at a fair price is a factor in the return of this all favourite destination. It also added that family bookings are up 16% year on year, accounting for 66% of its summer 2019 bookings. More than that to the Canaries or Cyprus. Beijing. The new airport will encourage inbound travel to preferred hotels. Beijing's new airport is due to open in autumn 2019, serving around 100 million passengers a year. Daxing International Airport will be the largest airport in the world. As well as bringing in more tourists to discover this ancient city's charms, the new airport could, could encourage easier access to the rest of the country. Travellers to Beijing can enjoy a wealth of attractions, including historical gems such as the Great Wall of China, the Forbidden City, the Temple of Heaven, and modern attractions such as the Olympic Park and the 798 Art District. Manhattan in the spring of 2019, the Hudson Yards development will open in Western Manhattan. It's the largest private real estate development in the history of the US. Its centerpiece is a honeycomb-like staircase described as a monument meant to be climbed and explored, with 154 interconnecting flights of stairs with almost 2,500 individual steps. According to the Innovation Group, the New York staircase is the latest in a series of monuments that are designed on a large scale as immersive interactive experience to be explored and Instagrammed. It cited artist Christo's recent large-scale installation in London's Hyde Park, on view until September 2018. It was constructed from 7,506 oil barrels and set in the middle of the Serpentine Lake. Visitors to the park could swim and use pedalos around the striking red and purple structure that appeared to be beamed down from space. It also follows Christo's 2016 floating orange bridge on Lake Iseo in Italy. Something we at uh, Two Week Holidays also predict that's going to be huge are micro trips, according to Booking.com. According to the accommodation platform, 53% of global travellers say they want to take more weekend trips in 2019. According to them, it's a year that's predicted to be all about made-to-measure, bite-sized travel with more curated travel itineraries squeezed into shorter timeframes. Less is most definitely more as travellers are offered more bespoke experience, says Booking.com. The micro-trip, as we are dubbing it, 
is becoming easier with more flight routes, cheaper airlines and on-demand car rail rentals. We'll also see a continued surge in desire to stay in unique and remarkable types of accommodation, which offer the chance to make a serious travel statement, even on the shortest of getaways, says Booking.com. Who would have thought? Rwanda. Rwanda gets a makeover. This tiny landlocked country in Central Africa is having a moment, with a number of luxury lodges opening and a new flight route into Kigali, Rwanda's capital. There's a generous sprinkling of luxury properties opening in Rwanda, causing a marked change in the kind of trips we're arranging there, says Chris McIntyre, Managing Director of Expert Africa. Until 2017, the accommodation options were fairly basic but comfortable. Then, when Gorilla permits, permits doubled in the cost, they're now $1,500 per person. A number of sophisticated lodges opened, and they were mostly putting together high-end trips to luxury camps. The recently introduced direct flights from Gatwick to Kigali have added to its appeal. If you've been living under a stone or not a sport fan, you might have missed that the big news for 2019 is the Rugby World Cup to be held in Japan. Now it's no wonder that Japan is on nearly every hot destination list for 2019. Already popular year round, the country gets an extra tourism boost thanks to the Rugby World Cup, taking place from 20th of September to 2nd of November 2019. After the Association of British Travel Agents tipped Japan as one of its 12 destinations to watch, thanks to new flight routes, as well as its sporting hosting credentials. Tens of thousands of sports fans will be joining the millions of tourists heading to Japan as the country hosts the Rugby World Cup in autumn 2019, Napta says in a report. Travelling to many of the host values, venues already well served by incredibly efficient state-of-the-art bullet trains will be even easier as British Airways announced it will launch direct flights from Kansai near Osaka from spring 2019. The capital, Tokyo, undoubtedly one of the world's greatest, mixes the ultra-modern with cutting-edge design, fashion and architecture with the ancient legacy of thousands of years of Japanese tradition and culture. Puebla steps out of Mexico City's shadow, according to Airbnb and Red Savannah. For a long time, Puebla was eclipsed by his bigger-name neighbour, Mexico City. But 2019 is the under-the-radar city's time to shine, thanks to plenty of new investment. Based on Airbnb data for bookings made for 2019, as of October 2018, compared to the previous year, Puebla comes in at a number three as a trending destination. Meanwhile, tour operator Red Savannah says of the city, Puebla is the new San Miguel de Allende. The city has seen considerable civic investment with the beautiful decorative street lamps restored, Baroque buildings cleaned and the opening of a new International Museum of the Baroque in 2016. The arrival of five-star hotels, Rosewood Puebla and Hotel Cartesiano, have also raised the bar. Mexico-based journalist Susanna Riggs adds, It's only in the last 12 months that this intoxicated nearly 500-year-old city, known for its mole sauce, tiles and many universities, has become Mexico's must-visit destination. Resources were used to improve the connection between Mexico City and Puebla with a new road. As well, to, as well as to update the cultural offerings. All of this helped to shake off the long-held idea that Puebla was an old-fashioned conservative city. It has now world-class museums, award-winning restaurants and luxury hotels. All the ingredients required to attract visitors from around the world.
Let's come nearer home. West Yorkshire. Amid all the exotic destinations being touted as the next big thing, West Yorkshire might seem an incongruous addition to the mix. But according to National Geographic's Cool List for 2019, the region is the seventh hippest location in the world. It's being plugged thanks to a major new sculpture triennial, set to open in the summer. The Henry Moore Institute, Leeds Art Gallery, the Hepworth Wakefield and Yorkshire Sculpture Park have joined forces to stage the first Yorkshire Sculpture International from June to September. The Hepworth Wakefield will also be unveiling its Hepworth Riverside Gallery Garden with access to the former Victorian Mills next door. The publication also name checks the Calder Valley with trendy Hebden Bridge as its epicentre, which is now a burgeoning hub for restaurants and independent shops. Responsible tourism goes mainstream. It's not surprising that several companies are hailing 2019 as the year responsible tourism goes mainstream. A bit like buying organic and veganism, what was once considered the preserve of outsiders has now become much more acceptable. In part, it's down to the much publicised problem of plastic blighting our oceans, leading consumers to put pressure on holiday companies to phase out single-use plastics. Tour operator Thomas Cook highlighted the change it has seen in customers' attitudes in its 2019 Travel Trends report. They say, in the year when the conversation around the nation's plastic use went mainstream, Thomas Cook saw its customers start to consider this in their holiday booking process. One third say that noticing litter on a beach would affect their decision whether to visit that destination again, it said. It wasn't just plastics, attitudes towards animal welfare became even more apparent with two in three customers describing attractions which featured performing animals as not at all appealing. Abter agrees, flagging this trend among consumers too. They say the uplift in awareness is also reflected in holidaymakers' attitude to companies. Over a third, 36%, would opt for one travel business over another if they have a better environmental record, up 13% since 2014. Responsible tourism has risen further up the agenda is becoming an integrable part of businesses' decision and planning, with many companies announcing plans to make holidays more sustainable in the long term. Millennial holidays are getting a makeover. If 2018 was the year the final 18 to 30 holiday, which was a British institute for almost five decades, took young travellers away for a week of sun, sea, sex and sangria, 2019 is the year that trips for all millennials and Gen Zers will change forever. Reports suggest that young travellers' priorities have changed, with wellness, unique experiences and Instagrammability all ranking higher as factors when it comes to picking a holiday destination than the chance to take a debauched booze cruise around Magaluf. The Travel Corporation says a number of developments in youth travel space in 2018, such as the closure of Thomas Cook's Club 18-30 brand, highlighted how the travel tastes of young people are changing and saw brands explore exactly what Generation Z and Y want from a holiday in the age of Instagram, mindfulness, cultural awareness and sustainability. Thomas Cook's 2018 annual holiday report stated that Millennium's obsession with capturing the perfect selfie was a driving factor in their choice of hotel. Over half of young people surveyed convinced that, confessed, I beg your pardon, that social media posts were a consideration during their booking process with Thomas Cook labelling this ego travel. The company's launched a new brand called Cook's Club to appeal to this new brand of trendy traveller, complete with cocktails, mixed by mixologists, silent discos and vegan-inspired food options. If you'd like to know more about 
any of these holidays, where to get them from, please contact us at Two Week Holidays. The info is coming shortly. Thank you for listening. Want more content from Two Week Holidays? Why not follow us on Facebook and Instagram? Search Two Week Holidays. Want to talk to us? Email us at info at twoweekholidays.com. If you have any more tips, please leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. That's all from now. Take care and good holidays. That's all for this podcast. Hope you've enjoyed it and use at least one of these tips for your travel period. For a PDF of this podcast, why not email us at info at twoweekholidays.com. That's info at figure two weekholidays.com. Hi, good day everyone. Welcome to uh, the Freshly Squeezed Media Podcast. Today we're out and about, we're out in the studio again, and we're in the centre of Cardiff, we're in a Portuguese restaurant, uh, famous for its um, Portuguese custard tarts. Very good friends of ours that we've known for a few years, and they're expanding nicely. And today we've brought into the, well, out of the studio, we are going to talk to someone who's less well-known to you, but well-known in the South Wales area. Uh, it's Mr. Jacob, Jake, the Soul Chef Anthony. Welcome, Jake. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning, Bray. Good morning. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a lovely little place. That's actually, I, I love the, um, I love how it's grown from where it, you know, like a really small root stand to, yeah. you know, over in spot to almost dominating Cardiff, to be honest. Absolutely. And there's a call for, for little yeah. um, niche product. Exactly. Restaurants and cafes, isn't it? Yeah, it's exactly. sort of back to the um, what 1960s. You know, I'm going back to a time yeah. when I was born. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> where little little um, Italian restaurants, little coffee shops. Exactly. Were, yeah, were, were I mean, things. It's, it's um, you know, it's uh, it's just really interesting, and I think South Wales is really good for that because when we um, because you know the the whole. Uh, when you had the coal mines, that kind of thing, um, the Italians came over and they started um, something called the, the Brachis. Basically, they wanted to create a little piece of Italy in the okay. Yeah, yeah, and, they did. Um, and before your Starbucks, your Costas, they had um, proper Italian coffee just sprouting up all over the valleys then as well. But um, yeah, you know, it's been um, so, it's really interesting. So, yeah, I need to interrupt you there because. Um, yeah, you're not from Cardiff, are you? No, no. I'm from Ponty. Uh, well, I'm originally from Pontfreeze. Um, but I was born in Roos, actually. Uh, moved up to, uh, moved up to uh, uh, Pontfreeze then. And, um, and I now live in Cardiff Vale at this moment in time. Um, but I'm possibly going to be relocating. But, you know, it's. Um, I think where I first met you, though, was about eight years ago. No. To the day in Cardiff. Well, I think it was in Cardiff or Piccadilly. Well, we were, were both younger men then. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Eight years. Yeah, I've to got the slightly day. less. Uh, oh my slightly God. Less for years then. <laughs> oh come on! I mean, do you know what? Do you know what, listeners? If you could see Jake now, you know it, it, the man has made such a transformation over the last six months. Yeah. In in his personal outlook his personal life as well yeah you know it's, it's a fun you know I'm, I'm really grateful and glad that he's taken the time 
to come and sit with you because I'm amazed at the transformation yeah. you've made of yourself over the I last think six it's months. really important then as well to be open about um, about the things, especially as a bloke, then as well, because we don't talk about this kind of thing enough. Um, you know, and I'm really glad that these things. What, transformations? Come, transformations, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I've got my time. Well, we've been accused of that of a few times. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But no, it's um, not yeah. hanging around telephone boxes, listeners. <laughs> exactly. But no, it's. Um, I think it's really important to sometimes take stock of where you are and go right. Okay, um, second, something needs to change. Um, I think it was Einstein that said, if you keep doing the same thing, three insanities, doing the same thing over and over and again, expecting different results. And you know, it, it's yeah. I just felt like basically that I wasn't in a good place, and to be honest, I wasn't a good represent. I wasn't a, a good role model for my daughter. I felt at that time, um, but now I'm looking back. I'm glad that I went through that, so that I can I can support other people going through that. Well. And is that your future intention? Is is. You know, we, we always talk about helping others. And, yeah. Um, I mean, not just as personally, but yeah. the world at large. You know, every, everybody seems to want to make a difference, but never, yeah. never really achieve that themselves. And I believe you, you want to, you have done. And I mean, you've, yeah. you've made a, a positive impact on your daughter. You yeah, know, exactly. Been, Even if it's just um, sort of them seeing you going through it, then basically is and coming coming back, come back on the other side then. I think that will inspire them, um, you know, to, to think, well, I would hope that would inspire them. Maybe not, maybe not talk, it's not always about talking, sometimes it's about doing them as well and showing um, them as well. Um, and, you know, just being, from what I've learned, sort of, um, uh, basically about being transparent then as well. Because um, it's just not worth hiding these things. So, for example, if you've got if you've got mental health issues, that kind of thing, it is not worth hiding and uh, these things. Absolutely, I totally agree with you. And, and currently, um, you know, I, I'd like to add in here if the listeners mm. are interested. Uh, I've recently become a Time to Change Wales champion, yeah. which, which is a campaign about mental health issues in South Wales. Well, not South Wales, Wales. Yeah. Um, and I work with a wellbeing company over in Bristol, uh, offering the same thing. And it, lately, yeah. um, and you're absolutely right, men talking about their mental health is, yeah. is very much been um, a, a sideline issue. You know, when, when, when a man yeah. has gone to another man and said, you know, I'd like to talk. Yeah. If you've got few minutes and they yeah let's go down to pub and pint and we talk about exactly. it watch a football that's exactly. like in this do you know what i really love as well is, is we've both taken bad situations um and we're both we're both trying now to turn them into a into a positive basically and, and i think that's the way to the way to deal with these things is, is to go right okay yeah that wasn't so great um I can only speak for myself personally, but I I went through something over the past six, or well, the past two and a half, three years, uh, basically, where um, I wouldn't wish it on anyone else, that kind of thing. But 
I'm looking back now. I'm glad I went through it because I can help someone someone else. Then um, I was going through. I can say right, okay. Um, I'll be honest. I went through a, uh, through a divorce. Probably the, one of the easiest divorces I've I've ever seen. That can bring back. I think it was the um, the the separation from my daughter that sort of uh, knocked me more than anything. And mm -hmm. I, just, I just want to put it out that the divorce, the divorce or separation isn't a failure. At the end of the day, then as well, it, it's it's just a change of status. Then basically, that's all. For a lot of people, yeah, yeah. it is. Uh, you know, that's not um, yeah. dismiss that the, there are other reasons. Yeah, that people do get divorced. You know, they're, yeah, exactly. They're, you know, we, we can't dismiss there's abuse. Um, yes. You know, uh, so you know, for the listeners who yeah, who are likely to comment, you know, to say, you know, divorce is an ugly thing. Yeah. But divorce can also be a, a positive thing for both parties. Yeah. And, 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 just, and as you say, for the sake of the children, you know, a lot of people yeah. stay together for the sake of the children, and, and yeah. the relationship. Does yeah. get, but you you obviously taken, yeah. a, a, both of you have taken a positive stance on this and said. Well, I actually, I personally think this may, this might sound a little bit controversial, but divorce is as is as, as an ugly thing as you want to make it. Basically, absolutely, think, yeah. Um, because you can, we have a choice how we, how we want to react to things. In life, react uh, to whether we want to react to, say, sorry, then uh, or respond to things. Um, and I think response is a more measured approach than where you think you do have a choice. Okay, I'm going to choose to deal with this in a certain way. And again, we have that in business then as well. Coming back to the yeah. business, choose thing, to, choose to um, act in a certain way because entrepreneurship is a um, can be a very lonely place. I think, and if you're trying to do that whilst going through other, trying to run a business whilst going through other stuff, then I think the only way to, you can uh, really work, really sort of um, uh, get through it is by letting people in or having a, a tight circle. Mm. Um, I think the. Um the business side of things, and there, there are strains on both. There, there are strains and course, stresses yeah. in business. Yeah. There are strains and stresses on relationships. Yeah. And when you get the boot, both, excuse me, when you get the yeah. both combined together, yeah. a, a strained relationship and a strained business, yeah. you know, that affects that one person's um, yeah. capabilities. Exactly. Um, their, their judgment, yeah. or can do. That, yeah. that there are people who can sail through it. And, yeah. you know, and I, I put my hands up to them and say, "Well done." Yeah. But there are, but we can't dismiss the fact that the the strains and stresses of running a business, yeah, combined, and then there are no, you know, I'm not advocating that um, divorce is like a business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. At no, all. no, no, not at all. Um, but but mentally, there are um, considerations that you yeah. have to take into account yeah that hang on I'm responsible for a family here yeah I'm not I'm responsible for providing for a family yeah exactly um, I'm responsible for any staff I've got working for me in my yeah. business exactly you know, I went through that, that very same thing I mean six months um, I mean 
just a couple of months ago. Um, I would, I'll be honest, I'll put my hand up and um, I was, my business struggled basically um, because of me um, just overwhelmed, thinking I'm not good enough, feeling guilty that, uh, that I wasn't provided for my daughter, that kind of thing. And what happened was it, snow, it snowballed then basically and I'm going to talk to you now about something that I have no, I've, I've not spoken um, right? Sorry, I'm whispering to Jake now. <laughs> yeah, so basically I'm going to talk to you something about okay. something now that um, I probably haven't spoken to uh, about openly. Only as long as you're comfortable with it, I don't want you to... Do you know what? Yeah, I'd rather, I would rather get it up there. there, basically. Okay. And, um, you know, I, I was running a bakery on my own, from home, and... Um, yeah, I was, uh, I was delivering uh, delivering bread na uh, nationally, and um, do you know what? My, I, I'll be honest. The marketing was better, was sort of uh, was was really on point. It was just myself when they came to film fulfilling orders. Then, because of the overwhelm from uh, from um, of my financial su situation, that kind of thing. Um, uh, and sort of uh, pressures from the family. Well, not necessarily pressures coming from the family, but pressures that I put on myself. Then basically as a bloke, wanting to provide for his daughter, uh, that kind of thing, not wanting to look like a failure. I basically wasn't, I wasn't fulfilling, uh, uh, wasn't fulfilling the orders, that kind of thing. And, and um, you know what, it's, I just wasn't being honest with myself, and, and in turn, then I, I stopped being honest with my, with my customers, and I think I'm I am ashamed of that, basically. But, but you no. suffered the consequences of yeah. that with um, yeah. the thanks to um, the TripAdvisor style of reviews. Yeah, that you you suffered the the strains and stresses of the, the reviews and yeah. the responses you were getting. Yeah due to your, and you were very conscious of the fact that you weren't responding to your, your customers, your customer orders as such. Yeah. Uh, and I witnessed some of those responses and I have to be fair to you that you responded. Yeah. Uh, you didn't hide uh, as yeah. most companies do. You didn't, or you didn't respond negatively as, as some yeah. uh, businesses are lately yeah. to, to any criticisms. You, you came out and you responded positively. Because it was my fault at the end. It was, it was, if you put your I hands up, common, yeah. you came out, you put your, you know, yeah, was, you know hats off to you for that, Jake. Yeah, I was the common denominator in all, all of this. And I had to take responsibility and respond, um, not react then to, to it as such. And you know what? Um, I apologize personally to every, to every one of those customers. And then it's sort of, but until you take your head out of the sand, you can't do anything. Um, you know, it's it's very difficult to sort of get that dealt with. Then. And, and did uh, you? Um, what did you take away from that as a as a as a learning experience that you can share with other people, some other listeners? Right. I would say always be first of all be honest with yourself and look at. Look at, say for example, if you're running a business, 
always run your, run your business past the uh, worst case scenario test. Basically, what, um, um, you know, for example, what is the what happens in you know if you had a worst case scenario that you know that your business can no longer rely on you, that kind of thing, mentally, first of all. Mm -hmm. And take it back down to that and to sort of take the pressure off yourself, first of all. Maybe outsource some stuff, that kind of thing. Don't do it all yourself. Um, build a team around you. Um, there's a, there's a, a, a great argument lately um, about outsourcing. Yeah. And the, the, the beauty about some of this is about outsourcing yeah. is that you don't have to actually take on the staff yourself. No. There are plenty of small businesses out there that yeah. do the things that we don't do. No, yeah. We weren't born bookkeepers, were we? No, exactly. We weren't born accountants. No, exactly. So there are people out there that do this. Um, well, that yes, it creates a support, a natural support network anyway. So, for example, I mean, there's a great, there's a, there's a real reason why people like going to work as opposed to being self-employed because they've got that support network. Absolutely, yeah. And and if you can find that you can find a way of doing that then not only does it give you support network, it holds you accountable then as as well. But the biggest thing is being honest with yourself and then being honest with the people the people around you. Be honest with your customers, yeah. yeah. It's amazing. As as soon as you're honest with to your customers yeah. and tell them what's happening, yeah. They're they're more than happy to stick with you. Yeah. Exactly. You know, they, they, this guy, you know, he's been honest with me. You know, yeah. I, I'm happy to wait an, another week for my product yeah. because the guy has let me know. Yeah. So, you know, take some credit for what you know. Yeah. Part of your learning experience, but take some credit from what you've learned yeah. uh, and how you responded yeah. to that mistake, which I think is fantastic on your yeah. part. And do you know what? I could have not mentioned that on this on this podcast, but I just thought you've got an opportunity here, mate, to have. Um, to myself then um, you know, talking to the voices and stuff um, but you've got an opportunity to just lay it all up lay all your cards on the table basically and say right okay this um, you know this is how I dealt with um, uh, the aftermath of everything that, that went on you know in that um, just being honest with the customers and, you know, and this is I mean, I'm going to take a photograph later and put it up on the podcast because yeah. this has led to your transformation. Yeah. So it, you know, it's that experience has, has changed yeah. you. Yeah. It's, it's changed your persona. It's changed your physical appearance. Yeah. And if I'd not taken the photo, if I'd not sort of, well, I felt well, I, I kind of felt like I was falling on my sword when I was going through that process. And if I hadn't fallen, if I got defensive and not formed on my sword as um, the same goes. Then I wouldn't have made the transformation, the, the changes as quickly as I had. Um, you know, I wouldn't made that, wouldn't have made the decision to make uh, to make the changes so quickly, and it would have dragged it out, and probably probably done more damage mentally than myself. It was hard, real hard, because I was really conscious of. Um, you know, my family seeing the reviews I was having, that kind of thing, and, and I was thinking I can't embarrass them any long, longer than as well. But 
by do, uh, by it's very much a pride thing, isn't it? Oh yeah, um, a pride. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, um, but pride is a huge thing for men. Absolutely, and they, you know, and I hope the listeners appreciate this. That yeah. Whatever they're going through in their lives. Yeah. You know, please talk to somebody. Yeah. Um, whether That's it's a the, friend or the a relative, the way it's talk. Absolutely, you know, but. Obviously, we're doing an interview situation here. Yeah. But there are people out there with issues that we both know about. Yeah. People we know. Yeah. Ourselves going through it, and half, and half the battle in business. Yeah. And in life. Yeah. Is getting someone to list, just listen, not say yeah. anything. Yeah. Not respond. Not give advice. Yeah. But just listen. Yeah. And that can be the the biggest part of the healing process. Yeah, because it's somebody... we want to fix things. We but, do, you yeah. Know, and you, sometimes um, sometimes the, the only person who can fix that thing is the person who's got the problem, but they need to talk it through. They need to get it out of their head, get it out verbally, and they then fix the problem themselves, which is, I think, it's more powerful and, and, and sort of um, less emasculating. So we say, and for men, it, it gets back yeah. to that. Oh, look, they've scored. What, what did you say? Because they haven't listened. Yeah. And that person, and you know, I'll use you as an example of that of what you've just said. Yeah. Still holds that. Yeah. That burden of. Yeah. Guilt, pride, yeah. or whatever they're going through at that moment in time. Yeah. So, so all I wanted to do was talk to somebody. Yeah. And that person hasn't listened. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and I can't stress word, yeah. use an operative word, Yeah. Um, but how important it is that if somebody wants to talk, yeah. just listen, Yeah. don't do anything. Yeah, don't go, oh, I'll, I'll fix that for you, I'll take, take it off you, because yeah. that and doesn't... You know, one of the other things is someone saying, I'm really worried about you. Yeah. Why are you worried about me? Okay. You know? Yeah. I'll be worried about me. Yeah. That you're, you know, you're, you're putting more stress on me because you're worried about me. Yeah. So now I'm worrying about you, worrying about me. Yes, and I've seen that before then yeah. as well. In the, uh, you know, it's, um, it's an interesting one. thing is so as well. We all have... Um, the, the solution in ourselves. We just need. We just sometimes need someone to draw it out of us, so that we can, you know, by listening them as well. Yeah. Um, With, without doubt. And uh, you know, Brian and another a mutual friend of uh, of ours, Nicola, were absolutely key. To be honest, in um, in helping me do that because I just went, well, there, this is what happened. And sometimes just having one or two words from them will change your perception about about um, that situation in an instant. Um, you know, it, it's because we build we build the problem so much of you know head, but until until you. Um, until you actually verbalise it, then as well, 
and then yeah. just left them. Just having this conversation now, knowing this is going to go out um, in the public, is is taking a weight, um, an extra weight off then as well, because it's you know I don't I don't condone what I did at the time, that kind of thing. But if I can turn that into a positive and say right. Please don't do the thing that I don't do the thing that I did. Although it's so tempting, and it seems easy at the time. It's inevitable that someone, you. yeah, it's inevitable that someone will, yeah, do. And I, I think that we have to experience these things ourselves. Yeah, um, I'm actually going through a time in my business where I have lots of knowledge. Yeah, already mm. about potential pitfalls. Yeah. And I know how to avoid them. Yeah. But I've set myself the goal that I must experience them. Yeah. To know what it feels like right now. You hit the nail on the head there as well because I went through. Um, basically, I went through quite a lot of financial hardship when I left when I left um, my family. And it's been the best gift for me that anyone could have done. Um, um, the best. Seven, you know, hand of cards that anyone could have dealt me um, moving forward because um, because it's taught me how to how to survive basically on, on almost the name because then when I go into um, when sort of uh, when my finances take an upturn then which they are uh, starting to do through hard work and things like that. I now know that I can, you know, strip it all away again, and I can survive. Um, and you don't know how much you can do until you're really tested. Really, oh, absolutely. And you know, until you really, and that is the true test. Yeah. Um, however, there is a huge. And we're talking about mental health again. Yeah. There's a huge amount of stigma and discrimination. Yeah. Attached to. The things we go through, the things yeah. you've been through. Yeah. Um, if I can touch on um, a part of you, if you, a personal part of you, if yeah. you don't mind sharing, yeah, is that I'm an open book. You, um, you have a disability. Yeah. And it's a, it's not visible. It's no. not. It's a hidden disability. Yeah. So for the listeners uh, who don't know about hidden disabilities, it's someone that we would walk past in the street. Yeah. That looks physically able yeah and we don't necessarily know what they're going through or yeah. what their disability is and, yeah. and Jake has a particular disability and if you'd like to tell us a little bit about that okay so I've got cerebellar ataxia um, which basically it affects the, the cerebellum and what it does is it's um, it affects my balance my hand to hand to eye coordination then as well and sometimes um, the speed with which I process certain, certain uh, thought processes and the way I speak then, basically. So um, imagine like a speed limiter then on, mm -hmm. a, on a car or oh, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Right. Um, cruise control. Cruise control, <laughs> yeah. I like that one, actually. I could be thinking something like really, really quickly, but it's, I have to analyse then how it's coming up on my mouth and picking the right words and that kind of thing. So you're, you're, you're your own filter really? 
Yes. In a way. Yeah. Really frustrating when you get into an <laughs> argument with me because um, that's my. Uh, as, um, Your processing power is. Yeah, I'm just like. Because I, I automatically try and think of the most accurate word to, to okay. describe something. Yeah. Um, but also, then as well, I can look a bit. Oh, you know. I said, you know what? It's probably the wor the worst thing to have as a chef as well. But, um, but nobody told me the, the ambition part of my brain to do uh, uh, about that because you know I just found another way to do some uh, to do the things that chefs do all, all the time. So, so we're taking comedic volume, value out of this now. Yeah, you know. exactly. So we're, we're waiting for you to bring food to the path. Exactly. And your, yeah. And your processing power is going, hang on, I'm still on the preparation it's, stage. Yeah. No, it's, it's more like, um, for example, um, chefs would go, uh, would look at me when I'm sort of uh, mixing stuff in a bowl. Tilt their head, like a, you know, like the dog who they see, they see it in a, a weird tavern. They'd be like, why are you doing it that way? And I'm, I'm like, my brain doesn't know what to do any other way. Right. That kind of thing. And it's been really funny sometimes. So, for example, I, I, uh, I'll give you a little uh, uh, little story. I'm about six, imagine me, I'm about six foot three, curly, mop of hair, right? Black, um, head to toe in chef's white, okay, pristine chef's white in the Hilton, right? And I've got a bamboo full of, oh, you know, those old hotel pans full of gravy. And um, uh, basically, uh, I was doing a staff, staff sort of, um, I was working the staff canteen, and I literally dropped a pan of um, gravy on the floor, and I lit it went all over my body, and I looked like a Dalmatian, to be honest. <laughs> so, yeah. I can so, imagine it, yeah. A yeah. six foot four Dalmatian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, not even on his hind legs. Like no, that. exactly, yeah. <laughs> But no, so um, I'll leave you just with that thought there. Great image, Jake. Yeah. Great image. I'm left with now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I'll so, dream tonight. Yeah, exactly. And it's um, yeah, it's and it's just been about overcoming and finding different ways, different ways of doing things. That's all basically with regards to that. You're listening to Freshly Squeezed Media podcast, and we are here. Out of the studio again with Jacob, Jake, the soul chef, Anthony, um, regaling us about um, looking like a Dalmatian. <laughs> it's very Alan Partridge, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah tell, us, tell us more about looking like a Dalmatian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that was just one of the um, one of the awkward things I did. The other one was um, the, way, the other way that um, the disability affects me, as I mentioned, was... Um, which is ataxic cerebral palsy, is my spatial awareness, right? And um, basically, I trip over blades of grass, that kind of thing. And um, another really story from the from the uh, the kitchens, basically, was that. Um, but they had grass in the kitchen. <laughs> okay, we're going to leave that one oh, where, yeah. where it is. Yeah. Um, basically. Okay. Uh, yeah. um, I used to work on the banqueting team, and. We had a rugby team in a quite a well-known rugby team uh, with the Barbarians. Um, I think it was just after the the World Cup, when, the Rugby World Cup, when it was in Wales. And, and um, so I came out of one of the lifts. There was a working lunch going on, so I put the, went to the table that was opposite the lift, surrounded by rugby players, right? And um, 
put the food down on the table, stepped back, tripped over a rugby player, looked up and he was Lawrence Delario. And he literally said to me, all right, bitch, trying to tackle me. And um, I apologise for the rubbish English accent. <laughs> and I was like, I'm so sorry, Mr. Delario, Mr. Delario. And um, one of my favourite, uh, one, one of my rugby heroes that grew up, um, well, used to play where I grew up, then world famous rugby player, um, was Neil Jenkins. Mm -hmm. And guess who should be there right in front, right in front of him? This little short ginger bloke. Neil with Jenkins. A hell of a boot, yeah. basically. <laughs> and I was, I was like, oh my god, I just wanted the whole thing, the whole floor to swallow me up. So I just literally moonwalked back into the lift and just thought, I've got to forget this day for the rest of my life. I oh, I'd like to take the thing from that. Neil, yeah. Neil Jenkins probably went, the only bloke that brought Lawrence Delalio down exactly. <laughs> during that World yeah. Cup. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I, there's, I always look, like to look at the funny side of things and, and the positive side of things. Without, um, without this disability, which I, I mean, it's, it's something that I, that I live with. I have a different ability there. I would, I would say. Um, Without that, I wouldn't have had that experience. Yeah. I would have just walked past Lawrence and Ali and probably not noticed him, that kind of thing. And, and Absolutely. No, and uh, Great story. not tripped over anybody <laughs> or anything like that. Um, and, uh, well, I've got done very well in Wales, haven't it? That one. That exactly, yeah. <laughs> Tackling the biggest man in the English rugby, probably. But, uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, so it, it's. Um, I just love stories like that as well. We're, we're, um, you know, those, it's, you know what, I think the universe gives, um, or whoever's up above, gives us things that we can, that it knows we can handle as well. So um, how did you get the nickname, the handle? Yeah. The soul chef. Not for tripping along the lolly. No, exactly. I think That's it was, the soul chef. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was simply because because of the fact that I, I love I love soul and soul as in soul music yeah, so, sorry, yeah. not, not that's fish. okay no. um, yeah but um, I know what you meant I just want the listeners yeah. you know I'm a Sam Cup kind of guy I love the lyrics that kind of thing and um, you know Marvin Gaye and I feel that um, I feel like when you're cooking if you really put everything into it then um, you know that you put your soul into it, it comes out. So and from your yeah, so basically from there, all the way down yeah. your arms into your. So basically, what um, the way the way I look at it is, is I play music when I'm cooking, play music, and it literally goes from through my ears into my mind, down into my heart, and out through my hands into the food I'm cooking. That sounds really sloppy, but that's the way it feels when I'm doing it. So, for example, you know, uh, I I feel a vibe from the music, like the old school um, Sam Cooks and the Marvin Gaye's, the uh, Bill Withers, that kind of thing. Then, and it's just a feeling good vibe that creates this homely sort of. So, would you be feeling. playing 
yeah. grandma's hands while you're kneading a loaf. Yes, yeah. actually that is what yeah. I do. It is grandma's okay. hands, um, basically. And, uh, Look at her, listen, it's grandma's hands by yes. Bill Withers. Yeah, Bill Withers. Yeah. And you'll probably, be know, you'll probably uh, find it familiar because it's um, the sample they use from, uh, on, on No Dignity by Black Street. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, well done. Yeah. But yeah, a bit so, of hip hop coming mean, in there. Exactly, and you know Stevie Wonder's Pastime Paradise. Yeah, well. gangsters. Yeah, yeah gangster um, paradise. So uh, it's really interesting. This came up with that song because not many people know. They know the two other, um, like Lean On Me and um, what's the other one he did? Um, it was really lovely day. Yeah, lovely day. Yeah, but it, that's a really sort of obscure one then. Oh, Grandma, yeah, he's, um, yeah. In, it's one of his concert favourites. Yeah. Bill Withers. Yeah. yeah. This is for another podcast, listeners. You know, we can yeah. talk about music, yeah. uh, which is Jake and I's passion. Yeah, I love singing that, actually. That, that yeah, yeah. So, um, we won't do that this time, but Jake's no. got a wonderful singing voice. He's, um, <laughs> I've got very, a little cold now. But very, very, very operatic, we've heard him sing. Um, yeah. And hence, you know, the name The Soul Chef, he's got... Yeah, you know that moniker, and there's a video on YouTube. Yeah, of is it, is it Sam Cook? And I think so. the, the video of you going through the process of making oh, yes. a loaf of bread. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think yeah. Uh, uh, remind us what the soundtrack is when, when you're describing how the, the, the how it comes out of your ears into your hands, the baking. Um, don't worry, it's, it's on YouTube, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. So, what should we look at for YouTube for the I video? Think be the Soul Chef. Look up the Soul Chef on YouTube. Yeah. And look at one of the videos, and you'll see Jake. Yeah. Showing you how to how he does his baking. Yeah. A really good video. So and he, do you know what? This is really this interview was actually really inspired me to do something. Maybe a camp podcast on about sort of soul and food, that kind of thing. We're talking about food and and, and soul music. Yeah. And, yeah. Basically, to, to speaking to people in their own kitchen, you know, what they're passionate about, that kind of thing, because I think food is a conduit for, um, for memories. That's one of the things I, I love about it. it. You know, it, create, it creates a conversation. I mean, look at us now. We're, we're sitting here, we've had a couple of um, pastel donatas between us. Yes. Yeah. Created a memory, basically. And it's really good for mental health. Cool. Okay, this is a new segment of the podcast, um, yeah. inspired by the Soul Chef, um, yeah. which will feature in future broadcasts. Yeah. As um, we might make it a playlist eventually if we get enough yeah. tracks on our on our on my Spotify playlist, yeah. the freshly squeezed media Spotify playlist. Should be that better fun. That should be idea, quite a, quite a, eclectic, I reckon. Yeah. So we're going to ask you, and we're going to ask future interviewees, interviewers. Yeah. What's the first record you ever bought? First record I ever bought, and I can remember exactly where I was. What I was doing was, um, um, I was doing one of my, well, basically I was working abroad, um, um, actually with the armed forces, actually, um, as a city chef, and I bought um, Ocean Drive by Lighthouse Family. Great song. Yeah, great and song. And I actually bought it. With a stereo, with a, a mini hi fi then as well at the same time. Did I you? Thought, you had nothing to play her on. I, I thought, yeah, I thought, right, I want that, but I need to play, I need to play, I need something to play it on. So, uh, well done. So, yeah, yeah, that's unique. So, uh, our very first, yeah, 
what record did you buy? Yeah. It comes a company by a visit to Curry's as well to buy it. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> a player to play it on. Actually, I think it was in Ryan Dallin. It was a nappy in Ryan Dallin. That, um, but, in, um, okay. Do you know, over in, over in Germany, it was a um, NATO base. And um, I just thought, you know, it's one of those things I've always wanted. My first paycheck, then our first, my, my first sort of... Um, do you know what? I'd, I'd like to do buy things that commemorate the first, like a first, then basically. Absolutely, the, I think uh, all music, yeah, uh, invokes some sort of memory. Yeah, and um, it was a happy trigger, one as well. Yeah. You know, it, it, um, it was a really happy sort of uh, soundtrack to the summer then, mm -hmm. as such. Um, it was modern soul, I would call it then as well. And um, apparently, those guys are coming back out. Yeah, know. they're on tour. Yeah, yeah. So what a voice yeah. that guy has got as well. Um, and from that era, I think I've noticed this summer Omar is coming to Newport. Omar is amazing. It's great, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing him actually in the Mass Carnival in Car in Cooper's Field. Okay. Um, he was great, mate, uh, as well. But he was, um, yeah, he did Golden Brown. Um, did he? Well, good yes. version. Yeah. Okay. Very good version. We looked that up. Um, but he did it, it was live obviously, but it, it was just that feel again, isn't it? I think that's that's what soul gives you, is that it gives you with this warm feeling of, you know, it, it's it's not necessarily something that will get you up and really energise, but it'll give you that, like a vibe then. Good feeling. A really music, good feeling, it, yeah. yeah. And it's quite sort of, um, it's not relaxed enough that it's going to slow you down but it, yeah it's just happiness it's like a it's, it's like a well it's like a method it's like a milkshake then basically that, that's for your ears then you know I mean? and you a type of person that i know i am yeah. depending on what mood you're in yeah. dictates what music you're going to play for the oh day. yes if i need lifting in actual fact on my um my morning playlist, every, I've got a Google Mini, and as soon as I can wake up in the morning, I have a bit of a wreath, I say, hello Google, and it starts playing Aretha Franklin, because I think what you listen to in the morning can really set you up, uh, set you up for the day. If the first thing you're listening to is, um, in the morning is, is, is news, or bad news, um, then I think you're almost setting yourself up then for the rest of the day. So if you wanted, to, I think you need something sort of that relaxes you, gets you into a good fight for the rest of the day. Then you know, yeah, I think that's another course, mental health yeah. tip. Then basically, yeah. uh, and just for the listeners, um, yeah. I'd just like to point out that there are the music players available as well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like the. Uh, I mean. You know, the Amazon Echoes and things like that, but, you know, just absolutely, yeah. The, the, yeah. Um, or even just doing on your what are you listening to currently? Um, ooh. still in the soul, yes. I would say, um, James Morrison, I like, I quite like it then as well. Uh, where people are doing acoustic covers of soul songs, I think there's, um, a, there's a good the, the, the value of a good song is well yeah. written. Is one that you can strip down. Yes. Yeah. To its to its its base level. Yeah. And if a song 
plays well acoustically, yeah. then you know that the, 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 lyrics, the lyrics then as yeah. well. There's this, um, my favourite song ever is a song called A Change Is Gonna Come by Sam Cooke. And I've never heard anyone um, do, a, do it justice um, as a cover, but there's a guy called Gavin Dubrow, um, surname is D-E-G-R-A-W, and he does the best cover I've ever heard of that song. It's probably the best cover I've ever heard of any song, to be honest. And, okay, so listen, uh, so if you're looking at Gavin DeGraw. Gavin DeGraw, yeah. and um, is it, is it, a change is going to come. And what does he, is he country? So, uh, no, he's American soul. He's, okay, uh, I'm um, sure my ignorance now, so I, yeah, no, no, I'm a music it's, fan it's, and I should, be, I should know better. But it's, it's, it's not, he's not one that's very well known. Um, I discovered on, on YouTube, you know, um, but yeah, he does, does a piano version of it and uh, really stripped back and it's just out of this world. And he also does, uh, he's done a cover version of Let's Get It On by Marvin Gaye, yeah. again on the piano. Okay. Um, but go, go and find him. Um, again, there's loads, there's loads, loads of ways you can find him, like YouTube, I, I discovered him and then went off to Spotify, YouTube music, that kind of thing, but yeah, it's mind-blowing, that song. Um, so are we likely really... to see you back in the kitchen at some stage? Yes, yeah, you'll, you'll never keep a good chef down, basically, so it, it's... Well, there's an admission. Yeah. You're a good chef. Yeah. Great. So it's, and you never, um, if you've got something, basically, that you was burning inside you, I think you've got it. It's going to want to come out at some point. Um, and you, you've got to do it. So you know, whether that's as a business or whether that's just for fun, that kind of thing, it's, it's like any, uh, I think there was a, um, a Robert De Niro quote from a film called The, the Intern, um, where basically he said that um, a good, music, good musician never retires, he just stops writing. Yeah, and yeah. uh, Billy Joel admitted that. Yeah. When, when Billy Joel first retired, uh, yeah. he hasn't retired from performing, because yeah. he does Madison Square Garden now. Yeah. Um, but his creativity dried up. Yeah, and he, he was one of the first artists to admit that. Yeah, that his writing ability had gone. Yeah, um, that's until you find the, the next bit of it. Absolutely. Yeah, and you know, and hats off to him yeah. for, for admitting that. Yeah, um, you know, big fan of his. Yeah, and piano and his beautiful. Right? Yeah, and the entertainer. You know, the entertainer talking yeah. about less well-known songs. Yeah, um, you know, the entertainer. It, it, yeah. I, sums up people like you yeah uh, and myself you know and, yeah exactly you know, and, and where he he mentions you know in one of his lines that you you know you're in the bargain bin yeah you know one minute you're at the top of the charts then the next year in the bargain bin and i yeah. think that that sums up a lot of our conversation that we've had yeah. earlier on uh, about our personal lives and our business lives yeah whereas you know we're there one moment and yeah. forgotten the next and it's funny you should say that. I was reading some, um, reading something on um, in, in the newspaper on the train home last night about the Goss brothers. Okay. Um, oh yeah, Luke and Matt. Yeah. Luke and Matt Goss. Um, they've not stopped, stopped producing music. 
it's just um, their time in the limelight or um, their 15 minutes as, a, as um, I think it was Andy Kaufman or, or um, who's the other the artist um, that's gonna be the one who did the Marilyn Monroe thing their 15 minutes has passed oh the Andy Warhol thing. Andy Warhol, yeah. Warhol thing right um, they you know they uh, supposedly passed okay I don't think it has I think I think there's they're just doing different things now. I mean, one of them is now acting, and he's doing really well in that set. I mean, but that creativity—if you're a creative person—is always going to be there. I agree, and I, I think that, in, yeah. a, in, in parallel, what we talked about earlier, and what you've just said about Luke and Matt Goss, yeah, is entirely true. That yeah. the the path we start out on, yeah, is not necessarily the path we stick to. No, because exactly. because of. Because of our successes, yeah, along the way, yeah, other opportunities become available, yeah. And once we start taking those opportunities, yeah, we don't realise where that path is going to take us, yeah, does take us off in different directions, yeah. And it's up to that person, yeah, to choose that direction, yeah. And we sometimes land up unexpectedly in that it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, it can be dismal as well. It's the power of yes as yeah, well. Absolutely, but it, it also means that if it's, it's, it's a dismal experience, that we can retrace our steps back down the path and get back on the main one and say, right, that, that yeah. was that wasn't the path I, I wanted to go down. Yeah. So we start looking at these other opportunities that are, that are faced in front of us. Yeah. And, and some of them, which you've taken up yourself. Yeah. Are different opportunities, which has led to your transformation. Yeah. Into where you are and. So, let's talk about what's next for, for you in terms of, um, we talked about how you're going to help other food producers, how you'd like to yeah. help other food producers. Yeah. Um, like, so, artisans. So, so, basically, what I want to do is I want to take the, the experience of the, uh, that I've had over the past, um, well, over my life, lifetime, but in particular this this um, past three years, then, um, and I want to help other food help food producers. I looked up back at the, um, the business I was running um, as a bakery, and I've gone right up to what did I do really well, and what are the pitfalls that I can I can help um, sort of uh, other food producers. Um, not avoid because um, because that, that's probably not healthy either but to teach them how to get out of them and basically like um, back so they, they don't have to experience yeah those nasty bits yeah basically yeah, yeah. Um, and I've I've realized that I'm my passion has always been, been about food, okay? Talking about food, talking about photographing it, that kind of thing. So I thought, I'm thinking now basically that I can shed a bit of light on other food producers then basically and get them to sort of present themselves in the, the, the best light they possibly can then as well and get them selling more food basically because um, there are some people of the some food producers are amazing at what they do, but for whatever reason they don't they don't sort of then 
they're not able to sell, then sell that product as well, as well because someone else, someone else could then basically. And it is about it's it's not it's not about sort of um, uh, putting them down as such, but it's about realizing okay, their expertise is how making that thing. Mm-hmm. My expert, my expertise is about selling that thing, getting it know, to market, getting it to market, yeah, that kind of thing, or um, presenting it in, in the best way possible. Then that, that um, aligns with what their customer needs. So, let's touch on a subject that is in foremost, thanks to Mr. Attenborough. Yeah, that is foremost on the the global population's psyche at the moment. Yeah, it's all about. Packaging. Oh. So, packaging drives me wild. And, and, and I think it's a subject, especially the small food producers, yeah. are up against. Yeah. Um, I know in our business we're working towards um, getting rid of single use plastic, yeah. um, compostable bags for yeah. our products, so um, compostable cups. Yeah. No. You and I both know that the whales in particular are not set up for composting yet no. because they haven't got the, the high energy, the high temperature no. disposal means. Yeah. Um, and that's why people just put them in black bags. Yeah. So um, the, the move, and I don't think it's going to be in our lifetime. Yeah. When I say our, my lifetime, yeah. it's going to be the next generation. My grandchildren will be the, the pioneers of the, the, the recycling age. Yeah. Um, but, but packaging, packaging is, is yeah, it's huge in the food industry right now. But the thing is, you say that we recycled back in the eighties. We just weren't calling it recycling. Do you remember the old pop bottles? Like the um, the Corona pop bottles. Yeah, yeah. Get, we'd get deposits, and they all they would do is wash them. The milk bottles, you put you put your milk bottles back on uh, back on the doorstep, and the the, um, the dairies would recycle them again. I think what we've done is we've gone. Um, we're overthinking the process, okay. Um, and we're thinking, you know, the, you've got um, certain coffee chains are asking you to put. Um, they're giving you discounts for sort of um, uh, bringing back in your, your own, uh, bringing your own cup in, basically. That, that's that's old. It's old school. Well, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, you know, I do come from that generation yeah. where um, reusing your own packaging yeah. was more a cost-effective thing. It was a money-saving thing yeah. rather than a yeah. Um, but what we didn't realize, an environmental we didn't realize at the time it. was that um, was the impact that these this faster service, this, this you know these um, sort of uh, these polystyrene boxes and things like that. I used to go absolutely mad in my, in my local bakery up in Pontypridd where they would. I wanted to, um, I'd have a custard slice for example, and they want they wanted to put it into a, a polystyrene tray, and it's like. You've got paper bags there. I'm, I'm buying one of these, and I'm, I'm going to eat it. My, I'm going to eat it now. Mm. Just putting the paper bag. And um, you know the, the, the current statistics. You know, yeah. uh, you know, a small water bottle is going to take 450 years. 
yeah, to um, degrade. In, in so that's out of our lifetime when yeah. just we, you know, and there's one point yeah. five billion bottles of water in circulation every day. Yeah. Um, but in terms of a, and then packaging again, it's um, huge consideration for a, a, a small food producer to to think about. Well, because of the, yeah. the, the the cost of this stuff anyway. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, when I was baking, uh, when I was baking, um, um, I, you know what? It, it was um, when I was baking bread. I'd use the brown brown bags because I just didn't want to be responsible for um, you know for adding plastic. I was t- you know the ironic thing is. Um, you're you're making these foods that are supposed to be healthy, and then you're putting them in plastic. Putting them in plastic, which are made right, made oils, and um, and you're trying you're trying to be sort of um, uh, trying to be healthy eating or trying to be conscientious of the planet by going organic. Yet you're then putting putting stuff in it in a absolutely in a plastic bag. Yeah, it's a catch twenty two situation again, isn't it for yeah. for businesses? It, and, but the, the, the crazy thing is, it never it never really had to be like that because we, I mean, for example, we'd have right. You you and I have probably seen this um, a lot where you know you buy you buy potatoes in in uh, paper sacks, right? on the side of the road or something like that. Why then are we buying potatoes in plastic bags and Tesco's? You know, when when, um, when they've already been when paper bags have already been produced in, in that there as well. Yeah. It's, it's it's madness, isn't it? Yeah. So at the moment we, we can't change the the future of is what we do currently, yeah, uh, and help. And there's a lot of organisations out there, yeah, that are doing their best, and we just yeah. have to encourage that and support it where we can, yeah. Um, so we're going to wrap up in a minute. Uh, it's been great talking to you. So where can people find you? Okay, um, if they want to contact you, they can they can contact me on um, Instagram at. Um, it's Loaf and Ladder Jacob, and then I've got a, um, a Facebook page. Then uh, Jacob Anthony, private chef, and they can uh, they can contact me there. I'll put in a lot more content out there then. Um, and this podcast has actually sparked me to think: okay, what can I do more to help people? What what content can I put out there um, to help people more then? And uh, so I'm really grateful for this opportunity. It's been great having you. Uh come along today and tell us more about yourself and you'll get it up there and let the the listeners know what you're Um, about and you know how to contact you and then obviously good luck on the the food produce side you know we'll support you as much as we can as we normally do thank you very much and um, we're going to say goodbye now on this podcast and you've been listening to Freshly Squeeze Media interviewing Jacob Jake the soul chef Anthony. Have a great one, guys. Thank you. Thank Thank you, everyone. See you on the other side.